3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All
4: right, all back on Coast to Coast on a Pain-Free Friday. We bring in Brian Siano, Mafia, to talk about Fight Island tomorrow night, another UFC card. This is a big one. Adesanya and Acosta, uh, people been waiting for it. We've been talking about it. It's yeah. finally here, and uh, now we finally get to hear from you on this show today uh, who you like in all of these fights. Break it down for me, Moth.
5: Well, we're going to stick to the top two for the picks. The card isn't a stacked one for a pay per view, you know, considering how good the last one was last week, that the free one on ESPN Plus. This one leaves a little bit left to be desired, which is going to be the problem sometimes when you do the Abu Dhabi cards is that you're bringing in so many people from internationally. That's pretty much the focus of it is the international fighters. So get a little bit of the uh, less stacked as far as the American fighters they can't bring over there. So, right now, looking at this card, uh, the main two fights are the best ones, but they're two good ones. There are two title fights here. Top one, of course, is Adesanya versus Paolo Costa for the title there at middleweight. Adesanya is the belt holder. This is only the second time, Scott, in the history of the UFC, as far as all the male divisions, that you've had two undefe- t- undefeated fighters meeting for the belt. The first time was Rashad Evans versus Laota Machida back in 2009 at UFC 98. So this isn't something you have often with two guys that are undefeated. I'm leading Adesanya. Adesanya is, you know, a badass. So the last style bender is a guy that knows how to counteract just about everybody. Now, of course, Koss is tough. He's big. He's strong. He's a guy that's very brutal. And he's going to come in there and try to force the action. But that plays right into what Adesanya wants. You know, Romero didn't do that. Romero was staying back. He was trying to counter as well. That's why that fight was so boring. All these other guys that have come forward against Adesanya, they eat it. It cost them because he's so long and lanky and so good at countering at different angles that it really hurts them. And that's going to be the situation here, I think, with Costa. Uh, Adesanya is a little bit younger, not much, 29, to 31, 19-0, 8-0 in the UFC, Costa 13-0, 5-0 in the UFC. Both of these guys just beat Joel Romero in their last fight. Adesanya is going to have a big advantage here. He's only three inches in height, but eight inches in reach. And five inches in leg reach. So every time Costa starts to get close and try to close the distance, this guy's going to have at least half a foot where he can smack him with his fists or his elbows. You know, at least three or four inches there, five inches on the kicks. That's not easy to get inside that kind of range there without taking damage. That's going to be the problem for Costa. That's going to be what he has to see if he can do is get in there and mix it up. That's what he wants to do. I think this is going to go over the two and a half rounds. We haven't gotten over totals for a lot of times with FanDuel. Uh, they don't usually do the round totals. They do will it go the distance or not. Both these fights, they have totals here over two and a half. I like both those, especially this one. I think Costa's already said he's not going to just chase him down. He's going to come forward. He's going to try to cut off the cage. I think he's smart enough that he's not going to just come barreling down at him. He's going to try to pick his spots. And because of that, and out of signing his length, I think that's going to make it go a little longer. These five rounds, he knows he has to calm down and be ready and to go a little bit longer than usual because you know, Costa, four of his five are by KO. The last time uh, was a decision by Romero, but he doesn't, that's the first time he went to the third round. He's never gone to the third round except his last fight. Adesanya's been in the fifth round and to the end a lot of times. Three wins by KO, but five by decision in the UFC. Two of his last three five-rounders have gone the distance. So I'm going with the over two and a half, and I like that to go into the, the third or fourth round at least. We'll see if the strikes by Adesanya add up there against Costa and finish him there. And it's a good chance of maybe going points. If you want to take a chance on that at plus 180, you can win that way. But I'm just sticking with the over two and a half and Adesanya on the money line. Looking at the other fight, Reyes versus Blachowicz. Uh, Blahowitz is uh, a Polish guy, 37 years old, a a kickboxer there. Dominic Reyes, last time we saw him, of course, was against John Jones, where he should have won the belt, but they gave to John Jones a decision. That's the only loss on Reyes' career. Again, I like the over two and a half in this one because these guys know it's five rounds. They're going to feel each other out. Both of them have power, so I think they're going to sit back a little bit, try to feel each other out in the first round, round and a half. Eventually, we'll get the action we want, and they think it's going to be a a finish there, but I'm expecting both these guys to be a little more cautious in a title fight situation.
4: All right. We welcome in our radio affiliates, Sports Grid Radio Overnights, Pharrell and a Bench, Sports Rage, and Bagels of Bad Beats. Go to sportsgridradio.com, get the Sports Grid Radio app. You can listen to every show, and you can watch us on our YouTube channel just to search Sports Grid Radio. We're also on Mightier 1090 in San Diego and all of Southern California. Mafia, let's uh, go back for a second. Uh, describe sure. to me what you think it's like fighting adesanya if you're costa and you see this guy uh that's so dangerous in so many facets in so many ways what are you looking at when you're uh when they close that door and you got this guy uh coming at you with the kicks and and with the counters and and his quickness Mm -hmm. and and his talent i mean he's one of the best in in the ufc what's it like absolutely
5: i mean i think one word to probably describe it best would be frustrating because like I said, he is, he's so long and lean. You look at him, and you see how lean he is. Like, come on, this guy, he can't hit hard. This guy isn't dangerous. And then when you get close, you, you feel the power of those shots. You know, because of that whipping of the leg, because of the, you know, the extra snap on the punches and of, you know, the elbows because of the extra... You know, rotation of the, the length of the limb that he has. You know, every time you try to get close, this guy's hitting you. Even when you can't get there and get your hands on him physically, he's going to strike you and he's going to make you pay for those and try to, you know, beat you up over the course of a fight. So looking at him, you don't think that much of him because he's so lean and thin, but, you know, but that extra length and the, the extra rotation of those limbs, it hurts just as much. And every time you try to get close, you, know, you can only get so far before you've got to pay for it. You've got to really be willing to eat some power and some shots before you can actually get in there and get your own shots in there. So for every one or two you might get, you, know, you might get hit three or four times before you even get close. So you've got to make sure your, every shot you know, really counts and so you get the power behind it because you might not get that many opportunities.
4: So what is the deal uh, that Conor McGregor is going to allegedly fight Manny Pacquiao? Here
5: we go with this again. You know, we haven't had enough with him getting beat up by Mayweather. Conor Gregor's a good fighter. He's, you know, he's been a great guy in the UFC. But you're not a boxer, and you're never going to be. Don't act like just sitting there for a couple of years practicing is going to be enough. You are not a boxer. Stop going against these upper echelon guys. At least fight some guys with lesser names because you're just going to get your ass kicked again.
4: Yeah, I just don't see that going well for him either. I thought that was easy money uh, for... Uh, Mayweather just beat his ass and, and toyed around with him. We got more coming up with Adam Kaplan next.
1: Listen to Checking In with Michelle Williams every Tuesday, a part of the Black Effect on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
4: There you go. All right. We're all back on Coast to Coast. And uh, we bring in Adam Kaplan, our NFL insider on SportsGrid and on Coast to Coast uh, to get you ready for pain day. Last night, I hit the Dolphins on the money line to win and getting the three against the Jags. I thought, uh, Adam, that uh, Fitzmagic came out like, I mean, it was like nothing I've ever seen. I I remember when Tannehill (laughs) had those 25 straight, but he was really rocking at 20, whatever it was. I think they dropped it at 21. I could be wrong. What did you think of uh, his performance? It was stunning.
0: Yeah, he was accurate. If you look at what happened when he was with Tampa Bay before he became Fitz Tragic, he was tremendous with his accuracy. He was in a rhythm. And when he is in a rhythm, he's sort of possessed. He, like, he can't be stopped. He, he was like a great jump shooter that was on a roll, and he was. But when you and I talked yesterday, I made the point that DJ Chark, the Jaguars' star wide receiver, did not go through their Wednesday walkthrough. When a player does not go through a walkthrough, he doesn't usually play in the game the next day. And that completely changed the chances of the Jaguars winning that game. They, they really had very little chance because they couldn't move the ball in the air. And – I give the Dolphins credit. Uh, they, are, they have actually improved their offense under Chan Gailey, who came out of retirement to run their offense in the 70s. It's been a pretty good story. And I give the Dolphins credit for winning on the road in a short week. I know it's a short flight over there uh, from Miami to Jacksonville. I've actually made that drive before. It's pretty long. But the fact of the matter is, when you look at the Dolphins, they won a game which they felt they needed to win after last week's debacle and the delays and all that at home and a bad defensive performance. I give them credit. They took advantage of an injury-depleted Jaguars offense, and they got the job done.
4: So, I mean, uh, if you look at the Dolphins for the three games, Adam, uh, they've been in, you know, late in the games. They've been in the games. They lost the first two uh, against division opponents, but I thought that they were in the game. He threw a pick late in the end zone uh, in one of the games. Bottom line is, do you think that they're, uh, you know, They won last night. I thought they looked way better than Jacksonville. But do you think that the Dolphins are that far off from being a decent team?
0: No, look, last season they ended well. The SA looked really, really bad for the first half, but they ended last season well. They've carried it over here a little bit better. The thing that they did is they spent a ton of money in free agency. Everyone was saying last year they're trying to tank. There's some truth to that. But the fact of the matter is they saved their free agency dollars. And you got to give Steve Ross, the owner, uh, credit here. He's spending a lot of money. Uh, not everything is working out so well. They're not getting a lot of pressure on the quarterback, but they got enough last night on, on Gardner Minshew, who, quite frankly, was holding on the ball too long because he couldn't find that go-to receiver. Uh, we talked about the Texans and Deshaun Watson not having that kind of guy. And listen, you don't have DJ Shark of the Jaguars. I, I made the right pick in your pick with the the, uh, the Dolphins. No credit. No, no, no. I mean, we should give you credit for that. No doubt about it. But... Getting back to the Dolphins here, they're clearly better. The roster's better, but they're not there yet. It might be a 6, 7, maybe even 8-win team, but they're not going to be any better than that. They're simply not good enough on defense.
4: Uh, fans want to know when they're going to uh, use Tua for uh, you know anything. Do you think there's a plan in place?
0: This is not the same situation with Jalen Hurts, the Eagles' second-round pick, where he could do more than play quarterback. He actually played wide receiver last week for the Eagles. He was in for three plays. Two as a wide receiver, one in the backfield. No, I, I don't see it. I, he's not a I mean, you could do some Wildcat stuff, but quite frankly, it's gonna be once they're out of the playoff picture, he will be the starting quarterback. And quite frankly, again, they're better than last year. They're still not gonna be a playoff team, although we have one extra wild card per conference. I think when you sum it up, two so will get, I think, between six and eight starts of the season for the Dolphins.
4: All right, so let's talk about Henry Ruggs. Give me the update there.
0: Yeah, it's too bad. So talking to the Raiders, they felt better about his chances playing on Wednesday after Wednesday's practice. But what happened is he hurt his hamstring on Thursday's practice. It wasn't right. They they felt like he was tightening up on him. So they decided to hold him out. I'm told they actually leave for New England in the Boston area today. They're not going to leave on Saturday. They're going to leave today. But Ruggs will not be with them. He's got an injury. So... That hurts them. Remember, they're starting, they would be starting he and Brian Edwards, our other rookie, who's a third-round pick who they're really excited about. So I believe they're going to start Nelson Aguilar, the former first-round pick for the Eagles. He's actually played pretty well. He's catching the football. He's not hurt. They also have Zay Jones, the former second round pick of the Bills, uh, as a backup, but they do expect, I'm told, most likely Josh Jacobs, not a lot, but Josh Jacobs. Should play, and sure should Darren Waller, their star tight end. who had a breakout game last week, but you know what Belichick does, Farrell? He shuts down your best passing target, and you could be rest assured, if Waller plays, they're going to try to shut him down.
4: So the the Jacobs is a hip, Waller's a, a little knee-tweak, and, and yeah. uh, they're both questionable, but they should play. And then what's the story? Trent Brown, he's, he's out?
0: He's not playing. He's got this calf injury. He's not practiced since week one, so that's the right tackle. That's not good here. And, uh, look, the Raiders had a terrific win. There's no question on Monday night, but they got down early, and I give them credit for coming back. Remember, Michael Thomas didn't play in that game. They travel three time zones. This is a long flight, as you know, from Vegas out east. Five and a half, six-hour flight. I think they're going to get smoked. I really do. I think the Raiders are going to get hammered. We talked about this yesterday. I just don't think coming off an emotional game like that, that they're going to show up and beat this Patriot team with. A quarterback like Cam Newton on the other side who played terrific football. It would shock me if the Raiders won this game on Sunday.
4: So, uh, Adam, uh, the Andrews injury, we were talking to Dr. Chow earlier. He thought they might move him over to guard because he was talking about playing and actually snapping with his other hand, which I just do not believe would go well at all. Uh, And you're saying that he's out completely. They're not doing any of this.
0: Yeah, they actually listed him as out on the injury report because they're not going to – this late, they're not going to move him to guard because to ask him to do that at this late date, I mean, I've seen teams do it, but they're not doing it. They already listed him as out. So I think twice in the last 15 years as a team, had a guy listed out on Friday. They actually had him. Then they took him off the out list. It happened to be the Bengals with Marvin Lewis years ago. They did it a couple times, which is almost never done.
4: So let's talk about this interesting story that you're saying about uh, Sam Darnold with the Jets, that the front office uh, isn't tied to him because they didn't draft him. Are you telling me that they don't like uh, Sam Darnold and they're getting tired of it?
0: No, no, I'm not saying that. But I wanted to point out, because people are talking about if the Jets have the first pick overall, will they take Trevor Lawrence? Just remember that Joe Douglas, this general manager, inherited this quarterback. Now they have to build around Sam Darnold. Douglas came in after last year's draft. This is his first free agency, so he's got to build this roster. And they have so many injuries, by the way. They, they've got, in my count, eight to ten key players on both sides of the football that will not play this week. It's going to be hard for them to compete. And you're right. You and I talked about it last week. They look terrible. They were not competitive last week against the Niners. Now they got to travel to Indy, and you come off of a good win. This game should not be close. You never know in the National Football League, but they're bad at running back. They're beat up at the wide receiver. They, I mean, they're really right now. Three of their top four receivers are either not playing or, or would be playing with an injury. Chris Hernan's not even being used as a tight end here to catch the football. He's being used as a blocker. They're an absolutely brutal football team. They traded Jamal Adams. They're almost, almost at the non-competitive point. So, what will happen is this: they'll look, they'll assess the situation. Sam Darnold is certainly their guy for now. I'm not arguing that. But just remember, when teams inherit a player that's not theirs, they have to make a decision. We'll see what happens if they have the first overall pick. But the Jaguars also in that uh, with Gardner Minshew has played pretty well. Let's see what happens. Next year, who's got that first-round pick and that first pick over? So,
4: Mafia, stay by your phone tomorrow because you never know. Douglas might call you up to play for the Jets because they're so desperate. They could use Mafia 6'5", 240. Uh, he's the only Jet fan left, I know, still standing that might be able to play in the game. We're, uh, we're, respectfully, the I, got a, uh, I got under a minute. Uh, right. Tell me about uh, the Cowboys-Seahawks game. What's going on there with the Cowboys defense struggling oh, against absolutely
0: Bass. brutal. The yeah, the Cowboys were out there two starting corners. So, what they're probably going to use is D- Darrell Worley. You might remember him for the Raiders and, and Panthers, the second, former second-round pick. He moved to safety with the Cowboys. They're going to have to move him back to corner. Jordan Lewis is their nickel corner. They'll have to start him outside. That's brutal against the aggressive. Yes, the aggressive Seahawks passing game. This is going to be good. And whether or not be a factor, I made sure I checked that today because you never know there in Seattle. But in Seattle, by the way, giving up the most production to opposing wide receivers. So, This should be a throw fest in Seattle. I cannot wait to watch that game on Sunday.
4: Yeah, I still like uh, Seattle. Uh, I think the Cowboys have issues. Uh, They've showed some leaks in the boat. So let's see how they do on the road up in Seattle. When we come back, we'll talk about the Chiefs and Ravens with Adam Kaplan on Coast to Coast we love uh cam stewart check him out on game time decisions with our boy morency top of the hour uh to you mister uh have a great weekend cam all right so uh adam kaplan is back uh for our double shot on a pain-free friday on forelevision styling uh with our inside skinny on pain day before I go on to the uh, Ravens game, I want to go back for a second, just so I'm clear on this, on the Jets. You got Font, George Font, to tackle, uh, Crowder, Perryman, all out. Uh, yep. The coach, Gase, has said anybody with a pulse could play. I've suggested Mafia at 6'5", 240. And they're getting 11 and a half uh, in that game. So no respect at all. Do you think that the Colts are good enough? to bury them, because I haven't seen that from Indy. Now, nice win, I'll give you, but I, I haven't been that blown away by Rivers and the Colts. I like watching the young kid Taylor play, though.
0: Listen, the Colts aren't a great team. They're, they're an 8-8, eight, 9-7 eight, team, but the Jets, again, are almost to that non-competitive point. They're trying hard, but they just don't have the roster. They've been so beat up on injury at both sides of the football. They're not strong the offensive line. They're very bad at running back. They're beat up at wide receiver. They're so far down. Braxton Berrios, who was thought to be their sixth receiver, would be starting. Guess what? He, too, was out of the injury report today, Pharrell. So, again, if they could get Don Maynard out of retirement, maybe he could suit up for the Jets, but he can't. So, right now, the Jets will take this beat-up offense, no pass rush on defense, and try to hang in there. It's going to be very, very difficult. Never say never, but I agree with you. This should be a Colts blowout. But
4: they they like this number one pick that they got, this big lineman, uh, the Jets. Uh, at least they have Beckton, that going yeah. for them, don't they, Becton?
0: Yeah, and he's also on the injury report, but yes, he is expected ah. to play. Yeah, it, it's <laughs> uh, it's really incredible. This is my 21st year of covering the National Football League. I've never seen it this bad, particularly with serious injuries, ACL injuries and the like. And it's good that teams now have that three-game NFL IR because without it, man, I don't know what teams would do. They'd have to keep the guys out for the whole season. It's just, it's brutal. But, but this is the NFL that we live in without an offseason.
4: All right. Uh, the Monday night game is incredible. It's an AFC championship type game. Uh, Chiefs and Ravens. Uh, what are the injuries going into this one that are of concern to you, Adam?
0: Yeah, it's, the re- it's really with the Chiefs. Sammy Watkins. He has a concussion and a neck injury. Now, my understanding is he did very light work today. That gives him a chance. He's still very questionable to play. Let's see what he does tomorrow. Saturday's their last day of practice. Sunday's the walkthrough. If he doesn't play, Demarcus Robinson, the veteran receiver, is listed as his backup. But Michael Hardman would also, the former third-round pick, second-round pick, he would actually see an increased playing time as well. But that certainly would hurt him. He had a really great week one. But I'll tell you what. When you look at this game, though, the bottom line is it's very, very even. You're – your Steelers, the Ravens, the Chiefs—those are my top three teams in the AFC.
4: Yeah, and what about uh, Tavon Young? And, and so, what uh, Marlon Humphrey would go if Tavon uh, Young has the knee—is is he out? Uh, is that Yeah, he's certainty? out. He
0: probably. Yeah, he's he's their nickel corner for the Ravens. He probably will not return this season, so he's definitely not playing this week. So, what they'll do is Marlon Humphrey, who could play inside or outside. He'll probably play more of slot corner. Jimmy Smith, you might remember him. He was a longtime starter. who's now their fourth corner. He, he will have to play more snaps. And you know what the Chiefs do. They spread you out. So to me, if I'm Patrick Mahomes and, and I'm Eric Biennium and I'm Andy Reid, I'm going to probably come out throwing a little bit more. To me, that's where you're having that advantage. It's so hard to get to run against the Ravens. They're too big up front. And we know Andy Reid loves to throw the football. He's, he's with that movement. You come out throwing in the first half. And you run a win in the second half. So I, I, I do believe that the Chiefs will come out throwing.
4: Uh, who do you like in that game, Adam, uh, at the end of the oh, day to win the game?
0: Oh. It is a tough one. It's a tough one. I did pick the Chiefs to make the Super Bowl. I picked them last year to win it and make it. I got that part right. I didn't get the NFC right. But I'm going to pick them to win this game. And let me just say one thing about home field. I've talked to at least a half dozen coaches. They all agree it's, it's nothing like it used to be. The only time it really means something is when you have to travel. Just because you have to get up, you got to get on a plane. But home field, it's crazy. You, the players, players say, and coaches say, you can hear yourself. It just doesn't have the impact that it once was, once has. So to me, this season it's really different. That's why you're seeing these road teams when it's even that they're able to win here. So, uh, the, but I'll tell you what, they're very, very even. I'm going to pick the world champs because that game that they had last week, I like what Andy Reid said. Pharrell, a game like that when you when your back's against the wall, when it looks like you can't win, you come back and win it. That builds character for the Super Bowl champs. I'm going to pick the Chiefs in a close one here, but certainly a toss-up. Who do you like of this game?
4: I, I'm going to go Ravens, but uh, you know I hate the Ravens uh, as a Steeler fan, and but I don't bet yeah. with my heart. I just think uh, if you ask me, the Ravens have looked fantastic in every game, the whole game, and I thought the Chiefs, Looked very uh, troubling against the Chargers. It was like they were sleepwalking until the fourth quarter. So uh, they won the game, and I had them winning the game, but I had the Chargers covering. I'm going to go Ravens here. I like this team. I like their quarterback. I think Jackson can do everything that Mahomes can do. Uh, They're both dangerous. It'll be a great game. Anything could happen. Let me ask you this. What do you think? I I was staying in the um, Intercontinental in Los Angeles uh, doing a fight. Uh, last year and the Buccaneers were staying there and uh Carver High and I were on an elevator with Mike Evans and I was kind of uh seeing he's such a big uh boy I mean honestly this guy's a, no joke and I'm a I'm big I'm you know almost 6'4 220 this guy uh was a lot bigger than me obviously more ripped Uh Brady loves him and how about the comparisons to Randy Moss that's some lofty stuff
0: yeah you know and, and I get it. Tom's a very positive guy. Rainy Moss is the best deep threat in NFL history. Obviously a Hall of Famer. Uh, Mike Evans, I'll tell you what, though, he, pro- he, he is on a track. If he continues to play at the super high level, he could stay healthy. He'll have a chance to be a Hall of Famer. He's a terrific football player and a great start of development for the Bucs. But don't forget about Chris Godwin, uh, the former third rounder from 17, whose contract is up after the season. They, they want to get this done. But yeah, Evans is terrific, but the big story with the Bucks is where are the tight ends? Where is Gronk, who's 31 years old? The reason why Gronk came out of retirement is simply because he wanted to play with Brady. Bruce Arians doesn't usually use the tight ends very much, so they've got to they've got to get him involved. That'll certainly help their offense.
4: But I just don't, uh, frankly, agree with that theory that Arians doesn't use tight ends like. If I had O.J. Howard and Rob Gronkowski, I mean, does he have enough Super Bowl rings for uh, Bruce? Honestly, like, I, I would throw to Howard and Gronkowski. I would implement that into my offense because the Buccaneers have been so average for so long. Why wouldn't you use every asset that you have and move down the field with those 10- and 15-yard chunks? with tight ends are both monsters.
0: Exactly. And, and in this game, it's a, such a tight end game against safeties and linebackers. But one thing about Arians, the only guy at tight end who's really had a good year for your Steelers, Heath Miller, 76 catches many, many moons ago. So he just doesn't do it. He, he he He's big on the slot receiver. He's big with three wide sets. Now, this year, they're going with 12 personnel, which is two tight ends, and two receivers. But tight ends are not getting the football yet. But it's only two games. So we'll see what happens in this week. And the game, quite frankly, gets the, the Broncos are not very good.
4: The Rams and Bills, I think, is the game of the day Sunday uh, in Buffalo. What do you think of that one? And I think the Rams can go in there and give them a game. And, and I like both these quarterbacks. I think it's going to be very exciting.
0: Yeah, and I love what the Rams did to the Eagles, rolling out Goff to create space. That was a terrific game plan by Sean McVay. The Eagles had no match for what, what he was doing on offense. And they're not going to have Cam Akers, by the way, their, their, their second-round pick who's out with uh, the separated rib cartilage. So they're going to be a lot of Daryl Henderson, the former third-round pick of Memphis, last year who did a great job last week against Philly. He had a 40-yard touchdown run. I think when you really look at this game, it's very even. The one issue the Bills have is two of their three starting linebackers did not play last week, and that really hurt them. I, th- I thought that hurt them against the Dolphins, who, as we said earlier, really made it a game. I think it's a tight game. Yes, the Rams. They were able to fly out east and, and get a great win for the time zones. I'm telling you, home field does not mean as much. I think this is a tight game, but I'm going to pick those those Bills. Yeah, they want to. They want a hard. They, they want a very close game. But look at our guy Josh Allen, who was incredible with Stefan Diggs and getting the getting it done in the air. I'm going to pick the Bills. I think are a little bit better football team.
4: How uh, do you think these desperate teams are going to do? Uh, the Vikings, the Eagles, the Lions. Uh, these are teams. The Falcons, they're all desperate. Like, I thought, frankly, they didn't act it, but the Dolphins were desperate last night as well.
0: Eagles blow out the Bengals at home. The Bengals are awful. Their, their, their defense is really bad. Geno Atkins, their star defensive tackles out. That's going to crush them against Miles Sanders in the Eagles running game. Uh, the Lions, they're so beat up a corner, kind of like the Vikings. The Cardinals will win that game. They've been a little bit of a surprise, but they haven't really played anyone yet. Let's go to the Vikings. They're without their two starting corners. Forget about it. The Titans, who didn't play great last week, they almost they almost choked, but uh, they won. They're gonna win this week. They're gonna get Derek Henry going. Remember the, the the Vikings are without Daniel Hunter, who's an outstanding defensive end. The Titans will win that game in Minnesota. When you listen. You know it, as we've talked in these segments each week, when you're beat up physically, it's hard to win against better football teams.
4: There's no doubt. I got 30 seconds. Oh, do the Falcons turn it around for all their problems?
0: No. Trubisky actually going to play well this week, and they're going to win. The Falcons are also beat up. They're without Cam Sheffield, their, their best corner. The Bears are going to come out. when They did not play well, by the way, last week. I'm told their receivers did not play well at all. They're going to bounce back inside. Weather will not be a factor. And they're going to beat up that bad Falcons secondary, which has struggled mightily. And by the way, they're also without one of their starting safeties in Ricardo Allen. So that's not good when you're playing the Bears.
4: 20 seconds, respectfully. Uh, the Texans, any shot at all in Pittsburgh?
0: No. Well, let's put it this way. Deshaun Watson, you and I chronicle this. He's struggling without DeAndre Hopkins. Your Steelers will win, and they're getting D- Dave DeCastro back at guard. Do not underestimate that for their run and pass game. That is huge, and they will win, and they will not – They're going to win by at least 7 to 10 points over the Tech.
4: All right, Adam, great stuff this week. As always, enjoy the games on Sunday. Thanks, brother. You got it. Thank you. All right, there he is, Adam Kaplan on Coast to Coast.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: All right, Pharrell back on the coast to coast. I was just looking at all of the um, college football uh, Carver High that we didn't cover, right? So there's all kinds of games. Middle Tennessee and Texas San Antonio tonight. I like Texas San Antonio uh, laying the six. Uh, I'm going to go with them at home. And then on uh, Saturday, there's been some postponements, so we'll obviously skip those games. I've given you a lot of the games. Oklahoma, I like laying against Kansas State. Florida, I like laying against Ole Miss. That number's up to fourteen. You're starting to talk about it's dangerous now. Two touchdowns, you got to lay. I got it at eleven, and I think it's a lot uh, easier to go that route. I like Auburn over for Kentucky. Here's one: Central Florida and East Carolina. They're laying uh, twenty-seven. I got it at twenty-four and a hook when it opened up. I like Central Florida here. East Carolina's always awful. Uh, Louisiana. Uh, everyone's talking about how great the raging Cajuns are. They barely won uh, in overtime last week and struggled against a lousy team. Now they're taking on a tough Georgia Southern team. I'm going to take Georgia Southern. I got him at 15 and a hook when it opened up. It moved down to 11 and a hook. I like Louisiana to win. Georgia Southern to uh, cover and middle it. Uh, Louisville. I like getting three at pit. I think the Cardinals win the game outright. I told you earlier, Cuse, I like him getting seven and a half from Georgia Tech. I just am not buying this Georgia Tech team. I watched them play. I think they are are terrible. I I mean, I think they got lucky in week one, and uh, they looked more like themselves last week. Uh, And then Appalachian State, they're laying 35 and a hook to Campbell. Campbell made me money already once this year. I'm going to go with him again. I'm going to middle that game. Appalachian State to win, Campbell to cover. Uh, let's see. Liberty. I like over Florida international. I got it at six and a half. It's moved to eight. I'm going to lay it with Liberty. Uh, TCU. I told you earlier, I like over Iowa state getting points at home two and a half. Um, so there's a lot going on, uh, in terms of these games. Uh, I like Tulane. Uh, I, I like them laying three and a half against Southern miss. I'm big on LSU over Mississippi state. I think they're going to ruin, uh, that first, uh game for Mike Leach at uh Mississippi State and the game's down in the bayou, so nothing but trouble there. I like Cincinnati over Army laying it. And uh do we have Derek James now? Are we ready to go to Derek? Do we have him on the line? I think we do. All right, so let's uh stop with all the smaller college games and talk to the great trainer Derek James, of course getting ready for the uh Charlo doubleheader. First of all, Derek, uh thanks a lot for coming on. I know you're busy. I'm a big fan of your work. I think you've been incredible. I know you've been the trainer of the year before. I'm a huge boxing guy. I work with the PBC and with Showtime. I've done millions of fights. uh, And you've really uh, done a great job with Errol. And I think you've done a a great job with Jermel. I like the way you run your shop. you got two incredible fighters. You're not a guy with 30, 40 fighters in his barn. Uh, You're focused on two great champions. Uh, I'm impressed by the way you work.
6: Thank you. I appreciate that very much. Thank you. So
4: can you start by talking about how dangerous uh, – I know you only worry about your guys. I know you worry about uh, angles. I know you worry about training and worrying about what you have to do with Jamel. But right. at the very least, you have to have uh, acknowledge that this kid, Rosario, can, uh, can, you know, mingle. I mean, this guy can dance. He didn't get that right. uh, two belts because he sucks. I think the guy uh is a is a tough fighter. This is a good test for Jamal. I still like Jamal, but what do you think of Rosario? A lot of people like him in this fight. I like Jamel to win this fight, but a lot of people are, are taking Rosario. I'm a little surprised by that.
6: Well, I think that, you know, people are very impressed with the way he handled J Rock, which I think that that fight was Rosario's a good fight. He's a big puncher and uh you know he handled j-rock pretty well but i think it was more from my perspective what i was watching it was a good fight and it started out pretty good and you know it was a good fight and i think people are grading him from that i think that they forget about how many great fighters Jamel has beat how many times he's been battle tested how many times he went 12 rounds and so people have very short memories. I think they they remember his fight. You know, uh, like J- Jamel was up for fighter fight of the year last year. Jamel and Errol, and Errol won. But um, I think that uh, they forget about that. So I think that you know, hey, that's, that's people, that's the fans, that's whoever picks them, right. and um, hope they don't put any money on that. You know. <laughs>
4: Hey, so when you when you were a fighter, because you fought a lot and then you transitioned to being a trainer, like what was that like for you? Like, you know, spiritually, mentally uh, to make the switch. And, uh, you know, a lot of people talk about how great a trainer you are, uh, you know. How hard was it for you to flip over and become a trainer when you were a fighter? Uh, Do you like training better than getting punched in the face?
6: (laughs) Well, I do like training better than getting punched in the face, I think. But at the same time, I think it's more gratifying because for me being a fighter, it was only me fulfilling my personal desires and goals. But being a trainer is you helping other young guys reach and fulfill their, their dreams and their desires. and help them take care of their families and provide for their wives and kids and parents. I mean, so it's even greater to be a trainer, I think. But, you know, the transition wasn't so hard because I had there's several things have to happen before I believe you to be a good trainer. As being a former fighter. You have to realize that you're not a fighter anymore. Or that you're not you can never reference what you used to do. So you can never Compare yourself to those guys. I think that the fighters today, are, and fighters today, have personal desires that a guy who trained ten guys, a guy five guys can't can't fulfill, can't facilitate, can't yeah. be there for those guys where they need to be. You know, trying to be there for them emotionally. I think that the fighters, when the fighter knows that you have his back one thousand percent, he will go well and beyond to. uh to, you know, uh, be a champion and to win, I think just like when Jamel lost to Tony Harrison and he started crying in the press conference and he said, I let my coach down. That's the type of passion you want in a fighter, but that just lets you know what type of relationship we have, that that was the first thing out of his mouth. And he, he apologized, like, I'm like, man, you shouldn't apologize. I feel like I let you down. <laughs> so it's like, that's what you need.
4: Right. So let me ask you, uh, you know, when you because I you know, I think you're a Dallas guy, unless I'm mistaken. And what I heard about what I heard about you, because I've I've been down to Dallas a few times. Right. And I I saw uh, I went to Errol's fight that you guys fought at uh, Jerry's World or whatever. And that was unbelievable. Uh, The Mikey Garcia fight. Right. So I was there and uh, I go to all the fights uh, until the COVID hit. But uh, so what I heard about you was, is that originally uh you met his like you met him and his dad and like what you were able to like just get down with them and start rapping and talking and getting to know each other uh just as like being a coup and then the next thing you knew uh you ended up uh getting the gig training him uh was it something along those lines where you had met the father and you had met errol
6: well, what happened initially was it was like it was back when I was fighting as a fighter, and I went to the gym, and I met the coach. His, his coach at the time, and I was pretty, pretty cool, and I was looking for sparring. And Errol was like little bitty kid. I just looked at working on my defense. I didn't really want to – throw punches. I just wanted to work on my defense. And so right. he was one of the kids that I sparred with. And then later, years later, I went back – I went to a boxing tournament, and the father was in the stands. And normally I sit on the floor, but I sat in the stands. And the, I, I was talking to the, he, the father with videoing. I said, man, look at him. He's doing the same thing over and over again. And it, I was, he was like, yeah, I know. And I was like, look, he's, it's like, man, what does he keep doing? Throwing the same bunch over. And then the father said, can you help him? I was like, yeah. So I gave him my business card because I was a personal trainer right. at the time. But I teach, I teach boxing specific. And I still work that now. So I still have a job. And so, but he, but it was, it wasn't such a long conversation. It was like the father called me like three months later and Errol came in one day for a workout and uh, I worked him out. And then I kind of didn't talk to him for a week or so. And the father was like, what? You don't want to train us? I said, well, I showed you what I can do. So it wasn't so much about a conversation, it was about just showing, just working with him and kind of teaching <clears> him a little bit. And then that's how it happened. I mean, so, work from the amateurs all the way up so yeah
4: yeah so i uh, the one thing i always liked about your work was uh how you change their uh angles like you know uh i thought you know i've heard you talk about jermel dancing around too much uh early in his career right and then uh you tried to teach him how to uh focus more on the angles of his uh throws of his hands uh, and i yeah. think I mean, Arrow's as good as it gets uh, with doing that, but you've been able to kind of manipulate both of them into doing the right things with angles with their punches instead of all the other nonsense, and I think it makes them such better fighters.
6: Well, I thank you. I appreciate that. I think it makes them more efficient, you know, so it's like every right? every movement has a purpose. Every time you throw a punch, there's going to be a reaction. If you're bouncing around, jumping around, you won't be able to – be able to react off the motion that you created. So it's about creating something and being that actually capitalized on the it. source. Like um I'm not so much of a combination guy, it's more intellectual. Cause I think once you understand, once they understand what you have them doing, we can always revert back to something. And if they don't understand, I will not get off of it. I'll keep, I won't drill it, Right. but I'll try to find another way to present it to them where they really understand it. So I don't get off of something that I think is very significant.
4: I know that you're uh, only uh, driven by Jermell's fight tomorrow night, but respectfully, I ask you, uh, I'm looking forward to seeing that fight, every fight that the the brothers fight, I love. But I I really wanna see Errol coming off of uh, his injuries, uh, how he's gonna do, and Danny Garcia's no joke. I know you're working on that on the slide. At the very least, can you comment on how you think uh, he's coming along after everything that happened to him and how he gets ready for Danny? Because Danny's a tough mother.
6: Yeah, man, he looks phenomenal. He looks phenomenal. And Danny Garcia is a very tough fighter. You know, we just got to go in there and just stick to the script. You know, this is stick to the script. I think that um, we'll see. You know, we'll learn. First day of sparring is uh, Monday. So soon I fly back Sunday, get back Monday and back in the gym. Right. And you know, I'm looking forward to that as well. You know, I think that uh you know, I haven't mentally got so deep into that though. Because I've been so you know, this is the so they have two unified champs is so amazing, you know. So uh my whole goal is to help Jamel continue to live the live the dream that he really wanted to live. And uh, you know, it takes a lot of sacrifice and dedication and that's what I told him. That's what this that's what this fight is all about sacrifice and dedication. I said, you, you've you been champ for years. Rosario's been, he's a new champ, so he has the, he's closer to poverty than you are. He knows, he remembers that. Sometimes guys tend to forget these things or adversity, but I said that, you know, you have to dig deep, you have to just think about everything you have to sacrifice to get to this point, so for me, this fight is about sacrifice. It's about what yeah. does it take for you to get, what does it take for you to sustain this. I think that you know, it makes a guy fight hard when he, when he remembers the taste of hardship and poverty and what it took to get to this point. So I think that that could be, if Jason couldn't match him in skills, he may try to match him in heart, right? So I think that... I, you, I think
4: so- that he's gonna uh, <laughs> I think he's gonna be, beat his ass. Listen, I can't wait to see the Charlo doubleheader tomorrow night. Uh, Derek, thanks so much <laughs> for coming on Coast to Coast. Uh, good luck with that and the Spence-Garcia fight. I'm sure I'll we'll see you at that fight. Thanks for coming on the show today.
6: Thank you very much, guys. Have a good one.
4: My man, Derek James, the great trainer of Jermel Charlo with us. Don't forget, tomorrow, Showtime pay-per-view. Go to the Showtime app, Showtime.com, and call your cable operator to order the fight, and you can see Derek James training uh, Jermel in the fight tomorrow night against Rosario. It's going to be incredible. It's Pharrell Coast. Fantasy Sports Today.
0: The favorite to win the MVP in the NFL is Russell Wilson at plus 270. So before the season.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
4: All right, Pharrell back on uh, Coast to Coast. Don't forget, I'll be on uh, Pharrell on the bench tonight, 10 p.m. Eastern. Go to our YouTube page and search Sports Grid Radio or just turn on the Sports Grid Radio app, and you can check out uh, the radio show. And, of course, Sports Rage, Bagels and Bad Beats. Uh, We're also on Mightier 1090 in San Diego and L.A. So uh, all of Southern California, all of the West Coast, in fact. And we own Canada, too, and Mexico. We need to go to Tijuana, Carver High. We really do. There's a lot of things going on uh, down there that could get us in a tremendous amount of trouble. Uh, Six years ago, Derek Jeter played his last game on this day. And an opposite field game-ending single in the bottom of the ninth inning. That was his last uh, game, last play, last hit. And then four years ago, tragically on this day, Jose Fernandez, the 24-year-old all-star pitcher of the Marlins, Died in the boating accident in Miami uh, in the overnight hours, uh, speeding uh, in the boat and crashed into the jetty. Uh, that was a horrible night four years ago. Uh, SEC basketball is going to start conference play at 12 29 right before the new year. By the way, uh, they're not going to have any people in Times Square for uh, New Year's Eve this year, and the virtual ball drop should be as cheesy as ever, just like the Emmys. <laughs> Messi slams Barcelona over how they treated Luis Suarez. I mean, come on. The guy's playing at uh, Atletico Madrid. Is that not enough for him? I mean, can we just, like, let him go play somewhere else? Or what's the problem? You knew, Messi, when they forced him to stay there at Barcelona this year, that it was just going to be one thing after the next. And the whole year he's going to be moping and miserable. You knew that was going to happen. He doesn't want to be there anymore. So you forced him to be there. And... That's it. It's just going to be one thing after the next. And this was strike one. a, a factory in Vietnam uh, caught washing recycling and selling 300,000 used condoms. What a grim thought)